Well, I guess we all know where all the Superman 78 rumors originated from. Not from the planet Krypton, but from Christopher Franchi. So let's talk a little bit about that. And I'll read some of your emails recently. And then I have two rumors that I'm hearing are possibly going to happen this week. But let's start with the rumors because, uh, you know, I love to give you guys what I think is going to happen in the pinball world. So here are the rumors that I'm hearing uh, will be announced uh, this week. In fact, I'm hearing these will be May 15th, which is tomorrow. So if you believe these rumors to be true, we will hear from Stern Pinball tomorrow on two new variations of Stern Pinball games that are gonna be available to consumers. Now, we've been talking a little bit about this on previous shows. Um, Some of them seem to be like going back and forth on whether or not they're going to happen, but here's what I'm hearing uh, will be the news from Stern Pinball. I'm hearing on May 15th, Stern will announce that there will be a Catwoman edition of Batman 66 Premium. Now, you know we've reported this rumor before. Then I was told it was shelved. Now I'm saying, now I'm being told it's back on. Um, I'm pretty confirmed on this one. So as far as rumors go, I would say there's a 90% chance you're going to see a Catwoman edition of Batman 66 Premium. This seems to be like their ACDC Lucy version of Batman. It makes sense when you think about it. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys out there who are on the fence about this game, they might want to get a you know a little sensual Catwoman action into their arcade. Uh, the game code is now finished. Batman is one of Stern's best games uh, that have, that has come out in the last few years, and they have the I think they have the license for a very long time. Remember, this is Joe Kamikow and Kapow, so I think this is a game that you're going to see Stern make for a very long time and this will breathe new life into it because if you think about it the only thing keeping people from batman 66 at this point is they might not love the premium package that is out there and they might want something a little bit sexier Uh, so a catwoman edition would be really cool okay so the other rumor i'm hearing um, i'm not sure if this is going to happen or not but it sort of makes sense if you think about the way stern does stuff I think this one also does make sense, but we'll see if this is also the thing they announce. And that is the fact that they are going to make a colored version of the Munsters. Okay, so previously all the Munsters uh, p- premiums have been black and white. And I'm hearing that there's going to be a color variation of the full, you know, lower playfield and upper playfield. Sort of you're going to get what you see in the LE playfield of the Munsters. How do we feel about that if that happens? Well, here's the thing. I think Munster's sales have probably started to, to falter. And if Stern thinks that adding a color version of the playfield art is going to spark some sales of the Munsters, I don't think it's going to happen because I think the problem with the Munsters right now has nothing to do with the art packages because I think the art packages that Franchi did are absolutely stellar. I think the black and white is absolutely a killer art package the reason why people are not buying the monsters is because of the code in the game now they might not want to admit that i know code is subjective everything in in pinball is subjective when you think about it but the real problem with the monsters is it's been out for a while people have it but it hasn't really caught on you know by by this point when a game is near 1.0 code 
if people aren't raving about the game, I mean, people are raving about the way the game shoots, but time and time again, what is the one thing we keep hearing being the Achilles heel of the Munsters? It's the code. And if Stern really wants to get more people into the Munsters, I think they need to address the code, not the color of the art on the game. Okay? So, but that's what I'm hearing on May 15th, which is tomorrow, color Munsters Premium Catwoman edition of Batman. All right? Now, it's kind of funny that we're talking about two games and two art packages by Christopher Franchi, and we saw last night uh, that the Superman the movie, right, Superman 78, uh, the art package from that pinball machine was revealed to the world, was shared with the world. I want to talk a little bit about that and, and our thoughts on that. Um, let's, let's first of all, let's, let's just say once and for all that the Superman 78 has been a rumor for a really long time. And now we know why it's been a rumor for a really long time. Because clearly, amongst the pinball community, right, the inner circle of people who talk about and speculate about what titles are coming next from these companies, why was Superman always in the mix? And the reason why is clearly this artwork had been shared with people out there. Uh, because if it was just, if it just went to Stern, if this was just designed and went to Stern as a suggestion of a game we might want to pursue, that's one thing. But when you start to share the artwork with people out there, uh, that puts it into the rumor mill. Because if you saw this and you didn't know any better, you would just think like, yeah, like that's awesome. Like, because as we know in pinball, usually artwork happens after a deal is done and the license is approved. And now we're starting to work on a game because because remember, like if you start putting stern logos onto, you know, art packages and showing people what it looks like on a pinball machine. Let me see if the stern logo is actually on this because I was I, I didn't really. Let me see. I don't think it is. OK, so there's no stern logo, which is good, because I think that also would confuse people into thinking that it's, it's a done deal. So it wasn't. This is this is definitely, you know, and it's even watermarked with Christopher Franchi. So he just did this package. So it's, it wasn't uh, attributed to Stern yet. But but the thing is this, w people will start to jump to conclusions. And this is the first thing I want to talk about before I talk about the art. stuff. The art looks phenomenal. Let's just start there. The art looks great. I mean, there there is no denying that Christopher Franchi is an incredibly talented artist. And when he applies his art skills uh, to pinball, it looks really good. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think his style is perfect for pinball because so much of what we want to see on a pinball cabinet and on a play field, and when it comes to stuff like movies and TV shows and our favorite themes, he captures it so nicely because, you know, we don't want Photoshop drag and drop. We want something illustrated. And he kind of blends the best of both worlds where it's exactly what you remember in the property, um, but it's illustrated in a really nice and colorful way. And that's why I think Franchi's art is stellar and, he, and he's contributed such amazing work to pinball. Okay, so, but the thing about it is this. When you're an artist in pinball and you, are, you want to contribute to pinball and be an artist in the pinball world, the thing you want the most of is work. And, and we heard it from him recently. It's, it's not really easy to have consistent work lined up in pinball uh, because, because it's simple. There, there aren't that many pinball games that come out a year. Now, you also can't contribute. The same artist can't contribute to competitive companies. 
it just wouldn't work out. There's just not enough companies out there and they're each looking to differentiate themselves from the com competitive set. And so an artist's stamp on a game is, is such a big stamp. Right, if David, if David Thiel, did I always say his name wrong? If he does sound for different companies, I don't think it would matter as much. You just want the best sound possible, but it's not a visual thing. Pinball is so visual. You know, it's a work of art. I've always said it, it's a work of art. And as even as Mr. Franchi will tell you himself, people want variety. They wanna have work from different artists. Uh, they don't want every game they have to look the same or have the same exact style. And because of that, right, most pinball companies have different artists that they have on board. But I would say this, a pinball company's roster of artists, it's sort of like their bench, right? It's their players that they put on the field. It's one of their strengths. It's one of the reasons why their games will either look better um, or sell more because they have better artists on board. I mean, look at the difference between Stern's artist and the artist at American Pinball. And ask yourself, like, how much better would an American Pinball game sell if their art, if their art packages were better, right? And I've even said this before. Stern has the best artists in the game. Nobody has better art packages right now than Stern Pinball. They're better than Jersey Jack. They're better than American Pinball. Uh, I think Spooky's Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle is now on the same level. Uh, I mean, that game looks great. But before that, no way. Uh, I'm trying to think, who am I missing here? The better artist than P3, Multimorphic, better artist, uh, you know, Chicago Gaming is just doing remakes, you know, better artist than Homepin. So anyway, so you know what I'm saying? Is Stern is Stern has really acquired some of the greatest pinball artists out there and and applied them to their games. Okay, so here's my thing. And we, we hear, and I know, and I know like Chris is like a really passionate guy. Here's the thing. Does this mean, and I'm just going to talk out loud because I haven't has, asked him any of this stuff. Um, does this mean that he is not going to be working anymore with Stern because he revealed this? And I just want to talk about hypotheticals. Um, here's the thing. If you're Stern, you can't be happy that this is being shared. And I'll, and I'll explain why. Because think about it. All this is doing is it is saying, here is a theme that many, many people love. Here is a theme that has been rumored for months to possibly be coming out because these images have been shared by people in the community. Now it makes it look like Stern said no to a theme that you love, right? Now it makes it seem like Stern passed, like there was a lack of enthusiasm over at Stern to make Superman and to make Beetlejuice. And if you're stern, how can you be happy that that was revealed to the world? Even if it's true or not true, you still don't want your artist that you're paying money to, that you're contracting to work with you. You've given him how many jobs now, right? Christopher Franchi has had a job with Batman, a job with Guardians of the Galaxy, a job with Munsters, right? Three jobs, maybe possibly more, right? You don't want someone that you are trusting to be a member of your team to share with the outside world concepts that he's pitching you. And here's why, and this is the same thing in my industry. I come up with ideas all the time for major brands. A lot of times they pass on those ideas. If I shared with you what those ideas were after the client passed, they would fire me. And here's why they would fire me because there might be lots of different variables why they passed on those ideas.
But those ideas making its way out into the world does nothing but hurt the client because it makes people feel like maybe the client's lame. Like, why didn't they do that? That was such a good idea. I can't believe they passed on it. So there's that element of it, right? It, it just makes the client look like they weren't able to, to make it happen, right? And he, I see people saying this now, like Stern is passing on all these great themes. Like, why are they doing that? And we don't know exactly why, but we shouldn't even know that they even passed on it. Like this is just the normal relationship between, you know, a, a client and an and a contractor. Like you're just not supposed to do this. And the other thing is this: when you share these ideas and you put these ideas out into the world, and I'm just gonna say this: this is what happens, and and we know this about pinball especially. If people hear there's a rumored title, and they see a work of art like this just floating around as a concept. What will happen is this. Some people might actually not buy a current game available by Stern because they might be waiting for Superman to come out or might be waiting for Beetlejuice to come out because not only do they have a rumor it might come out, but maybe someone sent them a photo of this cabin and be like, look, they're working on it. Because guess what? Most of the times we've seen cabinet artwork leaked into the world, the games have come out right? Remember when Ghostbusters artwork was being shared left and right for about eight months before the game was revealed? It was a big reason why that game sold out before it even came out. So that's my only thing is I, I just think that this relationship between Chris and Stern has to be at some breaking point. I, I, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But I'm just trying to look at this through the 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 lens of both parties involved. If I'm stern, I can't be happy about this. There's no way I could be happy about this. You don't want to you, you don't want someone sharing what they're pitching to you out into the world. Okay? If I'm Chris, I'm probably a little bit frustrated, right? An entire year um, you've done all these great art packages. You're one of the main reasons why people are getting excited about Stern's offerings and, and you don't have anything on, on, the, on the roster this year. And you're frustrated because you want to keep making pinball artwork. And we know Chris loves the industry. He loves the hobby. He loves being involved. Like he, he wants to be more than just a pinball artist. He also wants to be a pinball personality, right? A pinball spokesperson. I still think he should do his own show. I that that is I've that's been my advice to Chris since day one. You know, literally, I have to be honest. I just fast forward on the Slap Safe show now to hear what he has to say because his stuff is direct. It's to the point. It's energetic, and he doesn't hold punches. And and I've said it. It's a show within a show. I really don't get the way this whole thing is being marketed to us. Like you have to, like it's a show within a show and it's like the Slap Save Pinball Podcast is proud to bring to you Christopher Franchi's artwork. Like what is going on here? Like it's so weird this like this marriage of these two entities because they're not the same. They're two completely different things. Christopher Franchi, if he wants to share with us his Superman art, just share it. Why does it have to be delivered like in a segment on another show? And the whole thing is like, it's so clear. They're trying to market, get, go to the slop safe site, go to this site, go to this, listen at this time. I, I, I mean, just drop it out in the world. If you want to drop it out in the world, it doesn't have to be this marketing tool. Um, but that's my point is it seems like the relationship is at a little bit of a fractured point. 
I, I don't know how you see it any other way. We haven't heard from the other party involved. We've heard Chris's take on everything, but I would love to hear from George Gomez. I would love to hear from Stern. And here's what, here's what. I don't think you're going to hear anything from them because I think Stern does what Stern does best. And I think Stern acts professionally. And the professional thing to do is not to comment on this. The professional thing to do is keep your IP and keep your your company secrets close to the vest. And that is what Stern does. And think about it for a minute. The Over the last few years, like the only times we've seen stuff earlier or the speculation happens, it, it never really comes from Stern internal. I mean, Stern is very good at keeping uh, what's next uh, close to the vest and, and secret. Uh, and so I, I just think that Stern has to be frustrated that this is out there. They can't be happy about it. And and I think Chris, if, if, if I could give him some advice, because I know he listens to like every podcast and I, I know he's always upset at me for something. If I could just give him some advice, it's this. You are super talented. You are one of the most talented pinball artists uh, and people love your work. You're an outspoken personality. All right, you have a great sort of point of view. You have a very energetic and passionate take on on the world and on pinball and on life, right? But I just think that your talent should always do the talking. And when you're working with companies, you have to, you have to, 100%, you have to respect the fact that they're paying you to do a job and the, the contract between you and them should remain between you and them and nobody else. And nobody else. Never, never, never put yourself in any positions of being vulnerable where stuff gets out there. And I, even when you're excited about work, and this is the biggest thing, even when you're so excited about an idea, and even if you own that idea, there just might be times in which it's not appropriate to share it because it could hurt the relationship you might have. Um, and I'd hate to see Chris no longer like get stuff out the door with the world's biggest pinball company because we all know if you're a pinball artist, who has the most opportunity for work for you? Who? It's definitely, um, it's definitely Stern Pinball. Now, look, we're allowed to speculate where Chris might start doing stuff next. If you were to ask me, the company should, that should just knock on his door and say, do stuff for us, is American Pinball. They are in dire need of some better art talent, okay? I, I, I don't know if going over to JJP makes sense. I'll tell you why, because if I'm Jack, I, I don't want my games to start to look like Stern games from a few years ago. I'm just, I, I, I just wouldn't. I, I would want my games to look different. There are so many talented artists out there. That's the other thing too. As much as I love these artists, and it's true, there are so many talented artists that are, are equal, if not better, if not worse. Like, you know, it runs the gamut. Like, sometimes it's funny to me how pinball, we, we sort of, we, we put people into the ring, we lock ourselves in a little pinball box, and we think, this is it, like, this is, these are the only coders that are out there that can do pinball, these are the only artists, these are the only designers, and I'm telling you, you're wrong, it's not true, you know, I mean, I, the mystery game that I know about, I haven't really talked about recently, I, you, wait, you know, art, the art on it, blow you away, blow you away good. Not by anyone you know, not by anyone who's been making pinball. The design on it, blow you away awesome. Not by any designer you know. So it's just like, you know what I'm saying? There's there's always a chance for new blood to come into the hobby and do amazing stuff, all right? So that's all I want to say in this topic. It was really cool to see it. 
I hope it doesn't have any long-lasting damage between Stern and Chris. I want to see Chris do more stuff in pinball. There's no, I, you know, and that's it. That's it. I, I, I do think there just needs to, if, if, if we want to start talking about professionalism and ethics and all this stuff, sometimes you just have to learn that even though you're excited about something, it might not be in your best interest to share it. And you got to think long-term what this will do to me. And I get, I struggle with this all the time in my career because I come up with all these amazing ideas that brands pass on and I just can't share them with you because it would just hurt me. I'd be known as someone who reveals what's happening behind the doors and you don't want, you don't, you don't want that to be like, you know, hanging over you. All right. All right. Let else, what else do I want to talk about? Let's talk about, I got a few, I gave, this is a short episode. I'm just going to give you a read some comments from people and then I'm going to call it a day. All right. I got an email. Let's see from RD. And he writes, hey, Kaneda, with the news that Stern passed on Superman 78 on top of Beetlejuice, uh, that uh, news that no one at the company was passionate about making these themes, I have to revisit this email I sent you a few months ago about Stern's designers are holding the company back in the 1960s. Ben Heck alluded to it during your recent interview that if these pinball dinosaur designers are only going to make themes from when they were kids, this hobby would neither, um, sorry, will, will wither and die as these older folks die out. As a collector in my early 30s, I feel left behind by Stern Pinball. Forget Toho Godzilla, forget the Beatles, forget TV shows from the 60s, and make something from the 21st century, please. R.D. All right, so here's the thing. Does, does that ring true now? Do we feel like Stern is stuck? Right, John Borg's dream theme is the Munsters. You released the Munsters in 2019 and you expect it to be a sales home run, right? Doesn't it seem comical? The Munsters is a show that isn't even on TV. You never hear people talk about it. I agree. I think Munsters is, is, a, is a damn Hail Mary pass if you want to sell a lot of that theme. Uh, Batman 66 is a little bit different because Batman is iconic. Batman has remained in culture throughout the decades. Munsters has not. So I, I think Munsters is a much bigger gamble than Batman. But it does speak some volumes that when you ask these designers, what are they passionate about? Like, what is your dream that you want to make? It's not stuff that's recent, right? It's this these older properties. But that being said... You know, we did get Guardians of the Galaxy. We did get Star Wars, which they completely fumbled. Um, we've well, we've got what Iron Maiden, which is old. We've got what else is coming out? Jurassic World will be new. We're hearing about that, but Elvira, another ancient one. Um, so I do agree. I do agree that there there is a lot. There is a lot of movies. There's a lot of franchises from even like the 80s and 90s that I, I feel like Stern needs to, to think about. Like one of them being The Matrix. Where's The Matrix pinball? Why doesn't Stern read? There, there's so many good movies from the 80s that would be awesome. What about Top Gun? Top Gun's coming out again. What about Karate Kid, right? right there's a lot of stuff. And I know some of these things have licensing issues, but the number one selling game of Stern, Ghostbusters. This has to be their best-selling game in the last five years, bar none. Ghostbusters, why are they not looking at mid-80s to mid-90s, right? I'm 42. A lot of you out there are also like in your 40s. Um, I, I think there's the more new people coming into the hobby, they're younger. 
They're young money. They grew up as children of the 80s and the 90s. And I think we're being underserved themes in those areas. But hey, it's not just Stern's problem. What about where, where are those kinds of themes from Jersey Jack, right? Well, look, we're all getting excited about Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka, guess what year? 1971. 71, five years before I was born. I did grow up watching it, but still, Willy Wonka. Before that, Wizard of Oz, all right? You know, Stern has made, like, Game of Thrones. They botched that, too. I mean, poor Steve Ritchie had, like, the two home run themes that just were just ended up being, like, mediocre pins. Game of Thrones, you know. Um, what what else? I'm just trying to think. Like, yeah, I agree. I agree. There's so many. Don't even make a good out of list of, like, 90s and 80s movies, but it goes on and on and on. How many good themes are out there that have never been uh, put into pinball form? So, Deep Root, are you hearing me? Go get some more of those 80s and 90s themes. Forget about John Papaduke stuff. Like, I really think Deep Root is silly. If they think anything John Papaduke, any John Papaduke IP will never sell nearly as well. I don't care what it is. Magic Girl Raza, put them all together, put them in a blender. Magic Girl Raza, Space Mission X. Robert might be misguided thinking John's IPs are where to invest. It is way more beneficial to go get as many of those hot properties from the 80s and 90s and make pinball machines and you will sell five times as many of those as you will of Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. There's Martians and a theme park and a nuclear power plant. <laughs> Give me Top Gun. Give me the need for speed. Give me Sweep the Leg. Give me Cobra Kai any day over that crap. Come on. Come on. All right. Let me see. I got another email here. I got an email from... Do, do, do. Welcome to Tuesday morning inside Canada's head. Uh, I got an email from do, do, Wonka Mixtape from Jason Zimmerman. He said, thanks for the extended mix. That was our Mother's Day back patio by the pool jam. Was a huge hit. Thanks again, Canada, man of the people. So for those of you who uh, saw, I put up another music mix. This one starts out the same as the other one, but it's extended by like another hour I have a lot of music mixes that my brothers made over the years. They're all really cool. They're not all like mashups like 80s like that. But what I will do on this podcast is I will put up at least once a month a music mix for you guys just to enjoy. That's it. That's it. See, the thing about life, and I'm going to take you down a 30-second journey of life. Pinball's great. Pinball is awesome. Pinball is fun. Pinball pales in comparison to a good song and music to me when you have a few friends over with what do you want to do you know do you want to just only play pinball no now what could be the best of both worlds is you put on one of Canada's mixes that his brother made and you play some pinball and you drink some whiskey then then you're living the dream then you're living life to its fullest people all right I got an email from let's see Matthew D saying, showing unfinished pinball machines. Hey, Canada, enjoy the show and think you're dead on about a lot of the issues with current pinball games and marketing. I just wanted to comment on the discussion in your last podcast about how pinball companies are the only industry that shows their unfinished products to consumers and reviewers. Video game companies do this all the time with downloadable demos or trade shows like E3. But the difference there, I think, is that while they might change a few things with the final product, 
they are generally providing the player with a vertical slice of the game that is all the main components, game mechanics, art, sound, music, completed for that 10 minute or so of the game they're showing. I'm still a pinball noob working on buying my first pin, and I haven't really gotten into the streams yet, but it sounds like they are showing people games without callouts or finish code, which is basically like showing me a video game demo that is missing sound effects or a key mechanic. Not a great marketing strategy. Like I said, enjoy the show. Keep them coming because my commute sucks. Matt. Well, Matt, first of all, thank you for listening and welcome to the world of pinball. And we should talk about what your first game should be. I'm always, it's, it's always great to break in a pinball virgin into their first game. <laughs> that didn't come across as sounding as well as I wanted it to. Um, but Matt, here's the thing. You're totally right. You're totally right because... I worked in the video game industry and we would always have games at shows and we'd have, you know, downloadable demos of a game. And you're right. We would work really hard to make sure that that demo displayed the best elements of the game to get people excited. It's you can't do that with pinball, right? You can't. It'd be like that'd be like the equivalent of showing up to like a show uh, with just the the upper playfield of Pirates of the Caribbean and showing people this is going to be in the game and here's how it's going to work. You can't give people just a little slice of the game. Uh, and, and that's why when you show a pinball machine early and it's missing stuff, I, look, I, I get why people do it, but I think again, I think it's just a bad marketing strategy. If you want to really sell your pinball machines and you want them to fly out of the showroom and you want them to like go leave the warehouse in droves, put 50 games in a box, make a game great. You know, you it's so easy to know what everybody wants in pinball nowadays. Make it great, put it in a box, show the world it when it's done, and watch people order it. Now, look, the the reason why I think people show it early, I, I I'm, I'm going to be honest. The reason why people show it early, I think companies are a little bit insecure and they want to get feedback and they're nervous that they didn't do everything right and they want to know what people think. Because they, if they're nervous, they might have got some stuff wrong. Uh, but guess who doesn't show anything early? Guess who doesn't give you any sneak peek? Guess who sells the most pinball machines every day, every month, every hour, every year? It is so easy to follow Stern's formula. I think Oryx said it best on why Andrew Highway and these other companies show stuff early. They, they need to remain relevant, right? No one's talking about them because they have nothing, right? They have nothing. They have, imagine if you're a new pinball company, you have nothing and you want to get people excited. You want to get people's money uh, to be set aside for your game. You rush to show it. And, and you know, but we've seen over time that 90% of the time that move has done nothing but hurt companies, not help them. I mean, you think Oktoberfest is going to be flying off the shelf now after we've seen it for eight months. We didn't see it complete. Now they've got, a, you know, even if word of mouth is good on the game, it's going to be an extremely, extremely slow burn. And and that's on them. There's no reason why they had to show that game in October. And, that's, and, and now they're suffering for it. And I don't want to see these companies suffer because the way to launch a game is so damn easy. Wake up, kids. All you manufacturers out there, wake up. Look at what Stern is doing. Stop acting like amateur hour. It's we, we all have the playbook now. Stop trying to do it your way, all right? Follow the playbook. All right, I got an email from Scott uh, T-Man. He says, thanks for the great music mix. Been enjoying it all morning. A trip back to so many of my childhood favorites. And please tell me you've watched Cobra Kai. It's like the studio 
had a pipeline into my most secret fantasy idea for a TV show and then made it. I think you'd enjoy it too. Keep doing what you're doing. I really enjoy the show, Scott. And oh my God, that chocolate waterfall mod, WTF, right? So Scott, first of all, I'm glad you're enjoying the mix. I've seen Cobra Kai both seasons. I love it. Here's the best part. Brenda loves it. Bubba loves it. Cobra Kai is such an amazing TV show. It's so much better than Game of Thrones. It's not even funny. It's so much more rewarding than Game of Thrones. It's not even funny. Game of Thrones final season is is sort of the the Game of Thrones final season is like that Willy Wonka mod in the upper left corner. It's it's one steaming pile and river of crap. That's what it looks like. That I, I love the, the the mod couple. I love Yellow Bird. Ninety nine percent of what they make is amazing. That Chocolate River mod needs to go. They need to flush it down the toilet. If you put that in a toilet, it would look like it's finally where it belongs. Uh, all right, what else is go? And they want and they want to charge like thirty eight dollars for that thing. Thirty eight dollars for what looks like diarrhea. Can can we? I don't mean to like pick on this one mod because they make everything else they make is so good. But there has, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just can't get over it. I can't get over $38 for that. Um, all right. So Jerry is coming on the show from P3, uh, Jerry Stellenberg. He's, I'm going to inter- interview him tonight. And what we're going to do is a little bit different. We are going to, we agreed to do it the way I suggested, where Jerry's going to ask me the questions that he wants to know. And we're going to do it that way. All right. I got an email from David Slaymaker. Do you get a lot of boomers complaining about the 80s mixes? Seems like boomers are always bitching about something. Well, too bad because I love them. Great job, Alex. That's my brother. Keep doing things the way you want to do them because it works. Well, David, no, I haven't had any issues with boomers. Thank you for letting us know that you can't stand boomers. Um, I am uh, happy to tell you that I think everyone's enjoying that mix. I I, I don't think you could ever uh, do that or listen to that mix and not enjoy it. All right. Uh, I think that is it. I got one more from Jay McGuire. He said, internet connectivity. He said, you cracked me up with your K-A-N-E-D-A high score commentary. Yeah, there's not a lot you can do about cheaters, but you run into the same problem with internet connected games with a friend too. Unless you got cameras on both your friend and his play field. Short of live camera feeds, you could add a sensor to make sure the glass is in place, but it could easily be bypassed. Maybe an algorithm for detecting unrealistic scoring patterns. Unfortunately, cheaters are going to cheat. I don't understand it myself. I'd compare submitting a fake pinball score to buying someone else's bowling trophy at a garage sale. Congrats. Skippy, you're a loser. <laughs> um, yeah, Jay, I mean, look, of course you can always cheat if you did like pinball internet connected scoring. Uh, but we would know. We would know because here's the thing. It'd be funny if you had like these incredibly high scores like on the internet scoreboard and then you went to like a show or an event and someone's like, all right, now it's your turn. Show us how you got that like 18 billion on Batman and you get like 75 million, you know, so whatever I, I, it's coming. The scoreboard is coming. All right. So what this has been, I think like episode 352 of Canada's pinball podcast, you know, someone asked me recently, you know, how do you do so many and how do you not burn out? And I've been talking to a few of the people behind the scenes who do other podcasts and, and here it's real simple. And my advice to everybody out there, I'm not going to give you some like long winded thing. It's real simple. I just podcast when I feel like it. And and I associate my podcast with the equivalent 
of singing in the shower. That's what it's like for me. And right now it's 8.48 in the morning. I'm about to jump into work. I woke up, I grabbed my mic, I'm recording this podcast. Here's what's gonna happen. Within three to five minutes, this podcast will be live on air for you to listen to. I do zero editing. I do zero editing. I, I, you see me, sometimes I fumble over words. I don't say stuff right. Sometimes I pause. Sometimes I, I catch myself like in a train of thought and then I don't care. I just upload it. Why would I waste all this time editing it to sound perfect? I don't make any money doing it. So I just put it up for you and then you get it immediately. The other thing I don't do, I don't do segments. I don't have like, and now around the play field with Chris and Bubba as we go around because all you're doing when you create segments on a show, you're creating you're creating more work for yourself. It, and then you have to like continue to do homework to fill those segments. The other thing I never do, and this is this is this is the one piece of advice I never took from Ben Heck. Ben Heck once said to me, "You should have your show be every Monday, Friday, and you should schedule it, and your show should be up uh, on those dates." Canada's Pinball Podcast. You never know what day it's coming out. There's no like Monday, every Monday, it's going to be like our podcast and every Friday or every this, because when you do that, what you've done to yourself now, again, where none of us are making money, what you've done to yourself is you've put pressure on yourself to deliver. And then when you don't deliver on that date, what happens? Like, it's like head to head this week. Well, sorry, no show this week. Oh, now you've like failed to meet the expectations of your audience because this show doesn't do that. I don't, I, I, I can never miss a date because there never is a date. And I can never be late for my own show because I'm never there's never a time. Uh, but what this show does do, right? You know this. It comes out all the time. It's like that's the thing. There is a constant cadence of Canada's Pinball Podcast, and I love doing it. They ask me like, why don't you get burnt out? Because I don't get burnt out. I enjoy having a commentary with you guys about pinball, and I do it on my terms. I don't imagine how much more work it would be if I had a. Uh, someone else with me on every show. I, like I have to say something, then I have to hear them say something. And then if I interview someone, it's like three people in a room, so much harder. And then you have to edit and then you have to do stuff. And then you have to like, you know, I don't have to do anything. I just have to give you guys a pinball podcast. I do it. I love it. I enjoy it. I think this, this is what works for me. Everybody do what works for you. Um, we enjoy this show. And I hope to do this show for a very long time because I know a lot of you really love it. And I, I will say the final reason why I don't get burnt out, the final reason why I love doing this show is for all of you out there who listen. Every week, and Brenda will tell you this, I get really excited when I put up an episode and within the first few minutes, it's like 50 listens. Within six hours, 500 listens. Within, within 12 hours now, usually, there's a thousand people are listening to the show. Within 24 hours, it's usually around like 1,200. Within a few days, we get to 2,000. We normally sort of peak at around 2,400 people listen to every episode. 2,400 people around the world tune in and enjoy this show. And that's why I do it. Because somewhere out there, Someone actually enjoys Canada's Pinball Podcast. It might not be the popular show to say on Pinside. It might not be, uh, you know, we need to get some merchandise so you guys can promote it. But I hope you guys also feel that this show has become more positive. We, we still don't hold back punches, but we're, we're trying hard not to fall into the traps that did burn me out. And I'll tell you what does burn you out. When you get too dramatic, when you start to attack too stridently, when you get too, like, when you start to think that this stuff matters too much, 
and you start to go to war against people or call people out in such negative ways. Yeah, I mean, I can be constructively criticizing someone for something, but I can do it in a way that doesn't make me feel like I spewed a ton of hate out in the world because it's just a pinball podcast and you don't want pinball to be something that is negative and, and super depressing. And so that's the key. And we're all, you look, you'll learn. I mean, I look, I think after 352 freaking episodes, we've learned a thing or two. We've gone through evolutions of this show, and I'm really happy where we are right now. And I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you're happy with it. And, you know, email me at canadapinball at gmail.com if you have any suggestions on how to make the show better. And there's a good chance I, I will take some of those into consideration, but there's also just a good chance this show will just keep doing what we're doing. All right. Everyone, have a great day. Uh, enjoy the Superman artwork. And let's see, we're moving towards Deep Root on June 1st. Uh, and I think you're really going to enjoy the interview with Jerry when he comes on. It's going to be one of the best ones, I think, because we're, we're, I think we're going to have a come to Jesus conversation. I really do. I think neither one of us is going to like hold back. I think we're going to enjoy it. All right, everyone, have an awesome, awesome Tuesday. Later. Later.